0: Hey, this is pastor arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the activation church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ. And I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have your Bible, go to John, the 10th chapter, we're going to read a few verses and then hop into our discussion for this morning. But John ten ten says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy that's the thief's mission he wants to steal he wants to kill he wants to destroy he wants to remove the things that god has made available for you he wants to come in and remove them from you he knows that you were created with a purpose in mind did you know that Before God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you and he called you and you have a purpose and that's what the devil's after. People think, oh, he's after Michelle. He's after more than your soul. He's after your purpose because if you walk in your purpose, you destroy his kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? So the thief, the thief, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's always wanting to remove something from me. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have life, I like to say, more abundantly. That means it's overflowing. John 10, 11, he says, I am, here it is, the good shepherd, I love that he throws that in front of shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd. I'm not only the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Some of you need to know today that God is good. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Some of you grew up with such a religious mindset that you think that God is this ogre who's looking for you to make a mistake so that he can squash you and make an example of you, and that's not who God is. He loved you enough to leave the comforts of heaven. He suffered so that you don't have to suffer. He died so that you could have eternal life. He's a good God. He loves you, and he wants to bless you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But guess what? I am the good shepherd i know my own and my own know me jesus knows you he knows what you're going through and he cares he knows you he says he says i know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and i know the father and i lay down my life for the sheep and i have other sheep that are not of this fold meaning they're not from the house of israel But I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock with one shepherd, no longer Jews and Gentiles, but one people through Christ, one family, one flock. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep. I want you to get that. For this reason God loves me, The Father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. I love that part. Nobody took Jesus' life. He laid it down. Nails did not hold Jesus to the cross. His love for you kept him there, and he endured the pain, the shame, and the suffering so that he could bring you into his family. He says, I lay my life down. Are, are you getting that? I want that to settle in. At any moment, he could have come off that cross. Did you know that? At any moment he could have called for legions of angels to come and rescue him and they would. At any moment he could have had a cross thought and everyone would have been obliterated. That's why I would be a terrible Jesus. Be thankful that Aram was not your savior because the first person that spits on me and I know I've got the power to obliterate them, you're dead baby! Pillar of You know what I mean? Like, I would have been strutting and showing my stuff. And people were like, What sign do you give that you're the Son of God? (laughs) Pillar of (laughs) salt. You know, that would have been my go to. Everybody would be pillar of salt, you know. (laughs) But Jesus, (laughs) Jesus laid down his life. He received the suffering, he received the shame, he laid down his life. And then he showed us how God he is by taking it back up again. He's a good shepherd. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's a good shepherd. That's a very comforting thought to me. To know that I have a shepherd and he's a good one. To know that I have somebody who is leading me, feeding me, Guiding me and protecting me is very comforting to me because I know that if I was left to my own demise, there sure would be demise. So it's it's comforting. There's security there in knowing that I serve a God, I know a God, I follow a God who is in control. There's nothing outside of his hand, in other words. I was thinking about it earlier today that I may not know what tomorrow holds but I do know who holds tomorrow. And that may seem cliche, but I take solace in knowing that God is in control, that he is ordering my steps, he is leading me to the place that he would have me to go. A few years ago, I got like really into blankets. I know it's weird, right? And it wasn't just any blankets, it, it was these little throw blankets that were buffalo check. I didn't even know what buffalo check was until I got the blanket. But apparently it was like the rage that year, buffalo check, so I was like, i got to get me some blankets. And I would find these buffalo check blankets on sale for like $3. And there was just something about me that if I saw it, I had to buy it. My wife didn't understand it, but she likes throw pillows, I like blankets, you know what I'm saying? And so eventually, a couple years ago, she got me this, this blanket. And one of my favorite things to do is to have my blanket. And I like to sit in my chair next to the fire, cup of coffee before the sun comes up. There's just nothing more comforting to me than being in a cold environment with a fire knowing I have my blanket. I could be in the room without a blanket and it just wouldn't be the same. There's something about being with my blanket. I guess that's why they call it a security blanket. We could get weird and I could start sucking my thumb here, (laughs) y'all. But that's how knowing Jesus as a shepherd feels to me. When you go to Psalm 23, David opens it up with, The Lord is my shepherd, boom. There I am. I'm right there in my chair with a comfortable blanket, knowing that I don't have to worry about anything because everything I need has already been made available to me. Jesus says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, he says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to wear. Then he says, take a look at the birds. Take a look at it. Cameron, take a look at it. Well, would you take a look at it. Take a look at the birds. They're not sowing any kind of seed. They're not reaping any kind of harvest. They're not toiling over their meals. They're not worrying about where their food's going to come from, yet they eat. Then he says, look at the lilies of the field. They're not struggling, they're not straining, they're not fighting, yet they grow. And they are beautiful. You need to know that you are more valuable than the bird in the air and the lily of the field. And if God can take care of them, Don't you think he will take care of me? So what am I worried about? Jesus says, don't worry. You know what you do need to do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything that you need will be added unto you. What's he saying? Follow the shepherd and the shepherd will get you what you need. That's what's so beautiful about sheep. All they got to do is be sheep. There is no other responsibility for the sheep, David, other than to be a sheep to walk around and bah, bah, that's the only thing it has to do storms come troubles come predators come the sheep don't care because the sheep has a shepherd and he knows that the shepherd will take care of them in every aspect of their life so they don't have to worry you know the The number one cure for worry is this. I'm gonna give this to you. And I should charge you big bucks because your therapist, your therapist would charge you way more and not even give you this answer. The number one cure for worry is this. Not to have worry. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) The number one cure for worry is to just simply not have worry. And the way I can deal with my worry is by understanding that worry is a thief. It adds nothing to me and steals everything from me. If if you go back and look at the past two or three years of our life, you will see how devastated people have become over that one word, worry. I know people who used to get out and about and live their life and do their hair and get their nails done, and now they live like a hermit. They're so fearful of losing their life that they just gave it away. Why? Worry. Now, I'm not talking about not having wisdom. We have to have wisdom. But I can't live with worry. And the way I deal with worry is by knowing that I have a shepherd who is taking care of me. That's why he says, don't worry about anything, but always pray about it. Why? Because prayer has the power to change things. Worry changes nothing. Do you, are you getting that? I've dealt with worry in my life. I've also seen God work. And now I can look back on the moments that I worried about and see how God worked them out, and I can go, Why was I worried about that? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go back there and pull that into my now about the things I'm worried about and knowing, okay, this seems like a big deal, and it is, but I have a good shepherd and I believe that he is going to take me through this moment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The entire passage is hinged. On that, that the Lord is my shepherd. if you are your shepherd, you're in trouble. The side note: did you know, I, I heard somebody say it the other day, and I can't prove this but I heard someone say it on the Internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> that sheep sheep, if they are in a pasture, they will eat all the grass. Once the grass is gone, if they do not have a shepherd to lead them out of that field, they will remain in the grassless pasture until they start eating their own feces and die. I don't know if that's true, but it's a really good image when you think about the fact that we are sheep, and if we don't have a shepherd, we're in trouble. And if we try to shepherd our own life, we're in real trouble. I mean, how many of you have, like, shepherded your own life, and it's, like, turned out really, really good for you so far? Zero. Why? Because we all need a shepherd. The good news is we have one, and he is very good at his job. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's very good at his job. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want everything that I have need of, he's already made available to me. That shall not want, people always, you know, someone asked me one time, what does it mean when it says shall not want? It means you're not going to have any lack in your life. <laughs> and I believe that way. I was telling the gentleman earlier this morning, if there is something in the word of God that I am not experiencing in my life, I do not say, well, God's word does not work. I say there's something wrong here. There's something I need to examine here. There's some kind of principle that I'm not being obedient to because God's word will always work. You just have to learn how to work it. Turn the person next to you, say, learn how to work it. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he goes on to say that he restores my soul. Did we skip verse two? We did, didn't we? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I'm glad you brought that up, Richard. Because there, now we're talking about rest. He doesn't just provide for me, but he gives me rest, actual rest I used to think that I was like really good at resting and relaxation I thought I should be like a relaxation coach but (laughs) the more I look at my life and examine my behaviors through life I have realized that I'm not good at resting I'm not good at finding rest I'm good at finding an escape from the things that are stealing my rest there's a difference There's a difference between finding actual rest from something and learning to cope with it or learning how to avoid it or learning even how to compensate for it. I was thinking about it when I was younger, I had had some extreme insecurities. If you would have known me when I was younger, you would have never seen the insecurity. You know why? Why? I learned how to compensate for it, and I wasn't even aware that the insecurity exists until I was speaking to someone, and they called me out on it. And when they called me out on it, I had to come to terms with the fact that, you know what, Lisa? I've got some insecurities, and I can either continue to avoid them and try to escape them and try to compensate for them, or I can face them head on. See, watch this. This chair, let's just just move it from that comfortable place to now being the place of your worry and your anxiety. I don't even need that. I'll just skip verses where I want to know. But just, so that's my problem. This is my worry, this is my fear, this is my insecurity. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's got you all bound up. And there there could be a, a multitude of things. What we do a lot of times in life is we avoid it. We try to figure out a way around it. I don't want to look at it because if I don't look at it, maybe it will disappear. Here's the problem. It will never magically disappear. So there's a lot of different things that we do to try to cope with it. It could be relationships, it could be substances, it could be new jobs, new homes, new this, new that, new city. All these things that we do trying to avoid this. The problem is this is not going to disappear by trying to escape it or trying to avoid it. What I have to do is I have to have the courage to face it. So when the Bible talks about Jesus giving us rest, he's not showing us a way to escape our issue. He's giving us the ability to have overcoming power over the thing that is trying to keep us stuck. The thing that we are trying to run from, God is saying, I want you to take it out. If you go to 1 Kings, the fifth chapter, there's a phenomenal story about King David handing over the kingdom to Solomon. The Bible says That when Solomon took the kingdom, he had no enemies, he had no battles, he had no adversaries. You know why? Because his father David dealt with them. He was willing to fight them so that his son could find rest. Here's the problem. If you do not face it with boldness and courage, knowing that God has given you the ability to overcome whatever it is that's bringing you down, you're going to deal with it and try to avoid it, until you're gone, and now your children are going to have to deal with the same thing that you weren't willing to fight. Amen. You want to talk about generational curses? That's what happens. Our children have to fight giants that we weren't willing to deal with. I mean, this is, go back to the children of Israel. God tells them to go spy out the land. They see that the land is good, but they won't go take it because of the giants. Fast forward forty years. They wander around. That generation dies off. Now the next generation is going to go in and finally take the land. But guess what they got to deal with? The giants. Because they don't disappear. You can't avoid them. You can't medicate them. You can't escape them. You've got to deal with them. But here's the good news. You have a good shepherd, so you don't have to fight alone. And as a matter of fact, the fight is not even fair. The fight is not even fair. All you got to do is show up to the battle line. And God has already given you victory. The Christian life is a victorious life. It's a life of overcoming. It's not a life of running. So that's what, for me personally, I am trying to get to this place where I can learn to truly rest in who he is, not try to avoid the issue, not try to cover up, and insecurity but just dealing with it you know what i've got some issues but jesus i come to you i lay it at your feet i'm exposing it i'm asking you to help me you're the good shepherd take care of it i expect god to do what god says he'll do and some people think i'm crazy for that david well you shouldn't expect nothing from god somebody told me that they used to go to this church they don't go in here anymore anymore I don't feel like you should expect anything from God. Without faith, (laughs) it's impossible to please God. What is faith? At the core, it's expecting God to be God. How many of you expect Jesus to save your life when you say, Father, forgive me of my sins? You expect that? Why? Shouldn't expect anything from him. How many of you, if you died today, you expect to walk into heaven? Why? You shouldn't expect anything from God. He said he would. So why is there any difference between that and me believing that God will prosper me in everything I do? That I will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. My life is moving forward and not moving backwards. I am going to increase and never decrease. Why? Because I have a shepherd, and my shepherd says yes to every promise he has made. So I'm not going to wrestle and avoid the issue anymore. I'm coming to terms with it. I'm bringing it to God. I'm praying. I'm patiently waiting, which is key. I'm patiently waiting, but I'm also expecting him to do what he said he would do. The reason I said patiently waiting is key is because sometimes there is a process that you go through that is actually what you need more than the freedom that you think you're looking for here. Sometimes it is the process we go through that gives us the strength we need to handle something more than what we're looking at here, and God knows that. And so he says, I'm not going to rush this thing. You're not a microwavable hot pocket. You're a pot roast. I'm going to let this thing simmer and the, the problem is, many of us missed our harvest because we walk away before we ever see it. We're not willing to wait. It says in due season. Do not get weary in well-doing, for in due season. There is a due season, but until the due season happens, I've got to learn how to patiently wait upon the Lord knowing that he is doing something. that It goes back to that blanket. That's why I can be comfortable, even when it doesn't make sense. I could stand here for hours and talk to you about things I've walked through in my life, things that I've seen happen in my life, Reasons that I should have given up, reasons that I should have walked away, reasons that I should have backed down in fear, but just something within me said, stay and watch God move. And I've seen him be the good shepherd too much to walk away now. Because every time he shows up, every time he does what only he can do, Today is your day to stop avoiding. Today is your day to start waiting on God to move. Turn to the person next and say, he's my shepherd. shepherd. So that was verse 2. He led me beside the still waters. Richard, you're welcome. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we see now that he's not only protecting me and giving me rest but he's also leading me i was thinking about the good shepherd really if you take all of the i am statements you could almost put the good shepherd at the top of them and all of them would fall in line because the bread of life the shepherd feeds the, the light of the world the shepherd leads but the, the cool thing is he doesn't just make known to me the path of life he helps me walk it out You need to know that about our belief system. We're not just believing that there's a better way. We're believing that there there is a good shepherd that shows us how to walk it out and actually gives us the ability to do it. He doesn't just leave us on our own. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's intimate with us. He has relationship with us. He has fellowship with us. My steps are being ordered by him. My path is being directed by him because he's my shepherd. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his namesake. Now, where are we? The valley. The valley of the shadow of death shows us the rhythm of life. Sometimes you're in green pastures, but sometimes you're in valley moments. And you got to know that even when you're there, you don't have to have fear because your shepherd goes with you. He doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't forsake you. But he's there to comfort you, and he's there to protect you. And I love that about Jesus. He's tender enough to comfort us but he's bad enough to protect us. That's why Revelation you see him as the lamb and the lion. Shows that he's tender with his sheep, that he's understanding, he sympathizes with our weakness, but he's strong enough to do something about it. I was thinking about my grandfather the other day, and some of y'all never knew my grandfather, some of you knew him. He was one of the most tender, gentle men that you would ever meet. But he was also a bad, bad man. He was a monster back in his day. I don't know if if you've ever noticed how big my hands are. But my grandfather had some massive hands. He was a big man. One day, when my dad was in school, there was a PE teacher that thought it would be fun to make sport of my dad and to pick on him. My dad starts skin. PE teacher thought, you know, it'll be fun, make sport of this kid. So he picked on my dad, got rough with my dad. My grandfather found out. My grandfather came up to the school, took the PE coach back into the back offices. That's all we know. Until the PE teacher comes out, walks up to my father apologizes and never messes with him again. We don't know what happened behind tough doors, but he was tender enough to love his son, but tough enough to deal with the issues. Jesus, our good shepherd, he is tender enough to comfort us, but he's tough enough to deal with the issues that we're facing. So I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear. I don't have to fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind i don't have to deal with fear because fear doesn't come from god but i will have to face fear i will have to resist fear i will have to trust that he is a good shepherd when it doesn't look good i will have to trust that he's ordering my steps even when i have to walk into the places i don't want to go See, some people will walk away from their faith because they feel like God turned their back on them because they're in a situation that Sunday school didn't prepare them for. Guess what? There is a real life out there. There is a real enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, destroy. You're gonna walk through some valleys. You're gonna walk through some tough times. You're gonna walk through some pain, but it is okay because you have a shepherd and if you'll keep on moving and not camp out in the valley, you'll get to where you need to be. Even though I, even though I walk through, I walk through, I walk through, I don't camp out, I walk through, I keep on moving. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. The enemy's going to have to sit there and watch me eat the good things of God. The enemy that thought he would destroy my life with sickness is going to have to sit there and watch me eat the health of God, the strength of God. The enemy that thought he was going to destroy my mind is going to have to sit there and watch me eat the peace of God. The enemy that thought he was going to have me in depression for the rest of my life is going to have to sit there and watch me feast on the joy of God. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. There it is, John 10, 10. I have come that you may have life abundantly. It's an overflowing life, overflowing with the goodness of God. Then he says, surely goodness and mercy will emphatically follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because who I follow. Because I follow the good shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow me. The blessings of God will chase me down and overtake me. I I don't have to work, I'm not saying this to brag, but I don't have to work very hard to experience the blessings of God in my life. Because I have a pattern, I have a track record of following the shepherd. Doesn't mean I've always done everything right. I've, I've been a jackass in my life point received. (laughs) But I have always tried to follow the shepherd. I, I have always tried, whenever I've strayed away, to say, you know what, God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that's with me even in these moments. You're even with me in the places that I should not be. And so I have learned to get into this place where I have seen the goodness of the Lord, truly following me and I believe that every single person as a believer has the opportunity to step into that place to where when you turn around all you see is goodness and mercy all you see is the blessings of God chasing you down and overtaking you and somebody in here right now you're saying you don't know what I'm going through doesn't matter what you're going through there are some things inside of you that you need to allow God to fix and transition. He has tried to help you. He has tried to bless you. He has tried to set you up. But you're not. You're fighting the process instead of leaning in. And that's why you're not receiving from his goodness. You can take that or leave it wherever you want. But he has a path for me. And his path for my life is always going to be the best path for my life. The way I get on that path and make sure that goodness and mercy are following me every day of it is this word obedience. Somebody say obedience. Obedience. It is impossible to experience the blessing of God without being obedient to the word of God. It is his word that is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path, but the word is worthless if I don't take action. If I'm not willing to walk it out if I'm not willing to stand in faith when all hell's breaking loose, then I can't blame the word. I've got to go, you know what? I just, I don't have faith. And I need to come to God and say, you know what? My faith is weak in this moment. And he can deal with that. Did you know that? He can deal with that. <laughs> I have unbelief. Help my unbelief. That's what the man tells Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, do you believe I can do this? He's like, uh, I got some unbelief. Can you help me with that? And Jesus is like, yep, we can do that too. It's all about presenting everything to God as your good shepherd, allowing him to love you, allowing him to comfort you, allowing him to protect you, allowing him to lead you, allowing him to take you into every good place that he has for you. I have a good shepherd. And because of that, I don't have any need. Needs present themselves. Richard, I've seen God show up in every need. I've seen him respond every time. What is it that you need today? Those watching online, what is it that you need today? The question is, can the shepherd do something about it? I believe that He can. And not only do I believe He can, I believe that He desires to. I believe that God desires to meet you today at the point of your need. I believe that God desires today to bring you to the place that you've been avoiding, that you've been trying to escape. And I believe that he wants to comfort you there and give you the power to overcome.